Welcome to the Build Up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlouis.net for further information. Let's chat to Stephen Ferris. Let's get ready for this. Let's get hyped for this World Cup, Mick. And we're also going to ask him for some picks, not just for the Ireland-Scotland game, but also for the World Cup in general. Stephen, we'll get to this year's World Cup in a minute, but uh, we couldn't pass up today. It's uh, eight years to the day since Ireland beat Australia in 2011. One of your uh, finest moments in a green shirt. Just talk us through your memories of the day. What was it like? It was unbelievable for us sitting here uh, back in Ireland watching it in the early morning, but to be part of that day and to be part of such a momentous occasion must have been must be one of your most treasured memories in the sport. Yeah, I think my biggest memory of the match is actually in the changing room after the game and everybody just uh, you know elated and feeling good about themselves put in a pretty good performance got a, a result and a, and a brilliant victory against one of the big nations and you know things were just in a good place and you know sharing a quiet beer in the changing room afterwards was just a memory that will live with me for a very very long time and nobody gives a chance in that game but we pulled out a superb performance um, and you know, it's, it's a performance personally that I, d- I felt that I didn't play brilliantly, but, you know, obviously there's a few moments in that game that, you know, changed the game, gave the lads a lift. Um, you know, the Will Genia tackle was, was earlier on and coming towards the end of the first half, but it just seemed to, just seemed to sow a seed of doubt into the minds of the Aussies and also give us a bit of a lift going in towards half time. And, um, you know, it was a match where, I kind of enjoyed every single minute of it, um, even though I made a couple of mistakes during the match. But, um, yeah, it was definitely something that any Irish fan that you talked to that was watching it or was there at Eaton Park that day, um, you know, the atmosphere and the way we played, just, you know, everybody everybody just remembers that game for some reason. So, no, really fond, fond memories. Do you find that that performance that it was almost like a peak too soon for for that team in that in that World Cup. Obviously, we all remember what happened um, once Wales came around. It's probably the strongest we've ever gone into a World Cup quarter final, and yeah. you know it just it obviously didn't work out against a good Wales team. Let's not forget it wasn't like as if we just kind of didn't show up at all in the quarter final. But you know, did you feel that there was sort of a after that Australia game that we kind of we hit our peak? No. No, definitely not. Because we didn't really play an expansive game. We just took them on up front. We had a very specific game plan, and that was to keep it tight. I know we chatted to you before about the choke tackle and Les Kiss bringing that in and mm. you know using that to our advantage throughout the game. I think the massive difference from that Aussie game to the quarterfinal was I can't really remember having a specific game plan against Wales. You know, it was more or less go out there, play the way we've been playing, try and slow them down here and there. But against Australia, we had a couple of things that we targeted during the game. And one of them was Kane Healy against Kepu. 
he done a number on him, um, slowing the game down, really frustrating them, where against Wales, that just didn't happen. And as the game went on, we kind of got like more frustrated. Um, and you know, there were substitutions made. Was it Johnny Sexton was playing in the centre by the end of the end of the match? And it was just it just felt like we weren't all off the same page come the quarter final. Um, and that was the big difference. And to answer your question about peaking too soon, absolutely not. You know, I, I felt like there was a lot more to come from our side in terms of our attacking ability. Um, and yeah, it was just it was good to kind of keep building that momentum, but. Um, it just didn't happen for us in the quarter final, and as I've said many a time, our big game players, myself included, didn't turn up on the quarter final, and with nothing, nobody else to blame but ourselves and everybody else who was involved in that squad to to you know reach a quarter final and then probably put in your your worst team performance mm. um, during the tournament because you said there that you know we thought that we could beat off the park, but we did play it. Up. We didn't really. You know, you look at Priestland, the kicks that he missed. Um, we could have been dead and buried long before the final whistle. So I think uh, Wales were very worthy winners in that day, and they certainly had a, a more specific game plan to beat Ireland than Ireland did against it to beat Wales. Uh, speaking of Wales, we haven't spoken to you since we beat them again in the final game of the warm-up series. It's been a it's been a roller coaster a few weeks. Get ready for the one minute we were uh, all really hopeful for Ireland's chances going into this World Cup. The next minute we're down in the dumps. Now we're back up again, and then there's a couple of injuries creeping in. Where do you think <laughs> Ireland are at the minute? Where this squad is? Uh, injuries aside, maybe I think overall the squad's in a much better place than after that England game. Yeah, I think it is. Um, just you know yourselves, you're keeping up to date with all the journalists that are out there, and you know seeing what's kind of happen on, happening on the ground where. For us, you know, here back home, we're, we're just kind of getting snippets of what's happening behind the scenes. So uh, you see the Scottish lads are out playing golf. I think we're, we're there at, um, you know, the big golfing resort that have been really enjoying the first week in, in Japan where I think you flip it over. And Ireland seem to be doing a lot of training. They've been you know, really knuckling down. And, um, you know, it's been all work, no play. I know they get into Tokyo and they were, a few of the lads were at the sumo wrestling and stuff, but... It just uh, it just feels that um, Ireland are just trying to knuckle down and make sure that they get off to a good start against Scotland and, and you know and then there's a couple of games where they maybe get a bit more breathing space and um, a couple of longer layoffs between games. So uh, yeah, it's a funny one. It's just like a seesaw. Um, what minute we're up, what minute we're down, and as an Irish fan, and I just hope that we can we can stay up there and that we don't have a, a massive fall again because you know some something. When you're one of the best teams in the world, to stay at the top is you need consistency. And if Ireland get off their rocky start and you know get beaten against Scotland, and that seesaw swings again, and um, the next thing, the media, the fans, and that negativity creeps right back in. And look, I've been there myself, guys. The, the, the players do feel it. You know, of course they do. After 57 points defeat to England, you know, the lads would have felt a lot of pressure, a lot of strain. Um, from not only their peers and the management, but from the media, from fans, supporters, walking down the street, going for a cup of coffee. Oh, geez, lads, you get beaten 57 points. What's going on? What's happening? You know, just your two blogs that are really keen to, to, to get stuck into you. So um, it's vitally, vitally important that they put in a performance and get off to a winning start against Scotland and, and try and keep this going and make sure that seesaw doesn't flip the other way again. On that note, what would you rather, in terms of that, you know, the Scottish players maybe going out playing golf, just 
you know, maybe unwind a little bit, trying to take their mind off it, whereas the Irish players are a bit more concentrated. That week before a World Cup, everybody here is excited, obviously, just to be part of watching it. But if you're a player there, do you just want to try and get, you know, get that first game under your belt? Are you trying to switch off? Or you, do, you, do you want to focus not solely on that game that's coming up? Yeah, um, I guess getting the balance right, uh, I suppose. It's different within the camps. Look, there might be a team manager within there, a few are in our squad at the minute that says, okay, guys, we're at a World Cup here. This rain back to social media. Um, you know, it's not be posting every five minutes that you're going to the toilet to tear crap or you're, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, 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 you know, you gotta kind of, um, you gotta be streetwise with the way you go about that. Um, where other teams might be, a, you know, a lot more vocal on their social media and what they're actually getting up to during the World Cup. So there might be protocols in place from the Irish management, and there might be a lot more downtime than everybody thinks. Um, but we, we we just don't know what you know. Just reading between the lines at the minute, they just seem to be knuckling down and getting on with it. And unfortunately for Ireland, at the minute they're answering questions about injuries and. Um, instead of like oh, with a fully fit and healthy squad ready to take on Scotland we're excited every media call that I'm, I'm watching on the internet um, seems to be about injuries and players that are unfortunately struggling to make games and you know one of those being Robbie Henshaw and now Rob Carney's popping up and um, you know it's, it's, it's just when you're reading the press and reading the news it's information that you don't really want to take in you, you want to take in that they're, they're fully loaded and ready to go yeah, absolutely. And that's what I was going to talk about next, actually, Stephen, because, you know, we're hearing like Andy Farrell did a press conference where he says that everybody except for Robbie Henshaw is available for selection. But then there's also talk. I know the independent have that, you know, the chances are we're not going to risk Carney and even Keith Earls this week. And you're suddenly thinking like, you know, Carney and Earls were basically talking about the back three there. There's not a huge amount to cover. Yeah. You're looking at obviously Stockdale's nailed on, but you have to bring in Larmer and Conway there. You know, probably it it, it becomes um, Chris Farrell on the bench then as the only kind of available back three person, uh-huh. which means that you know you're probably looking at Ring Rose covering that back three over the course of the game, and suddenly just Ireland feel very very light in the in in the back five, don't they? And they you do. Know, it, and, and and inexperienced as well in a way like you know what I mean if you're talking about losing Carney and Earls uh, that's just far yeah. from ideal I know and it, it, I suppose it's like every position but when you lose one you can kind of go oh, yeah we'll, we'll be grand but when, when you lose two and then yeah, we'll arrest them like you've got Henshaw Earls and Rob Carney and after the England game everybody was writing Rob Hockey's done he's finished he's too old he, he's this and that and then you, you watch him in the game against against Wales and he's just so switched on and he to me he hasn't lost any pace if anything he looks um, he looks as sharp as ever and he just needed a couple of games under his belt and he's the biggest loss I think I think they can cope with missing Henshaw they can play ring roost in the centre I think we can cover Earls for a couple of games um, but Rob Carney at full back you know Finn Russell on if he's on his kick the game but we have putting spiral bombs up on Jordan Larmer's uh, in the 22 and saying right let's see how you get on here big fella and you know the bounce of a ball can be very very cruel in the game of rugby and you know I, I think you know, they, they will absolutely target that area we watched uh, Larmer against was it Argentina a couple of years ago or 18 months ago and he, he didn't play particularly well full back and um, I just feel that you know Ireland can be slightly exposed there if Rob Carney's not fit now there's loads of travel you know keep jumping off planes and you know, sitting on an aircraft for 15, 16 hours, 
through it on the rugby pitch, in the gym sessions, different beds, sleeping conditions. Hopefully it's just a tightness um, and he's able to you know, be getting massages and physio two, three, four, five times a day, be in the swimming pool, be stretching. Um, they won't rush him back. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Ireland with no Rob Carney, I feel, is a lot weaker than Rob Carney being in the squad. If they are available and, like, you know, as I, like maybe could play a quarter final or whatever, like, but I, I suppose it's, it, it, in one way, it's an element of Schmidt's kind of, uh, the, you know, trust in the overall squad and he knows that the 15 that he can put out there, you trust him to win it. But at the same time, like, with all due respect to Japan, and that's going to be a mad game in its own way, this is kind of the only game that matters for the next month. Ireland need to win this game. Yeah. And it's like it almost should be treated as a knockout, shouldn't it? Because we, we honestly do have a good four weeks before the next major, major game. Yeah. And um, like if Ireland beats Scotland, they're, oh yeah, I know things can happen, but they're more or less guaranteed a quarter final place. So it takes all the pressure off. If guys are kind of niggles, you can rest them. And, uh, you know, Rob Carney can take a rest for a couple of weeks before coming back in towards the quarterfinal week and I just think this is a this is a real make or break game for Ireland and if Rob Carney's ninety percent fit, then I think Rob Carney ninety percent fit is better than playing Jordan Lorma full back and um as long as there's you know no um chance of him further tearing his calf or something, if it's only a bit of tightness and he's still able to train fully but he just feeds it a wee bit then then I would go with him and Rob would probably want to play. I think Joe's Joe in the past has been the type of coach where if you're not fit, he will select somebody else. And, you know, if Robbie Henshaw's out for two or three games, then I was, if he is, if that's the case, then I was expecting him to send him home and bring out somebody who's going to do the job. But I think it's got to the stage now where we are slightly thin in a few areas. Um, There are, Joe has a couple of his favourites, that's for sure, the lads that make the team team tick. But, you know they they gotta they gotta get off their fast start, and they gotta play a full team, and they gotta make sure that they get a they get a result. Performance doesn't matter a, a damn when it comes to World Cup rugby. Yes, maybe in these World Cup warm up games we want to see a performance. We want to see guys with confidence, enthusiasm. You know, getting around the park and looking sharp. Ireland win by one point. It's happy days. We're on to the next game. And it's just about taking it game by game and making sure that you, you pick at the right times. And um, I think Ireland, just to go back to your point there, guys, they, they need to get off that flying start and they need a victory against Scotland. Uh, I suppose if there were no injuries, the main selection uh, debates coming up to this game would have been the second row to an extent and the, obviously the back row as well. Who do you, who would you go with there in terms of probably the debate as you go with Henderson and Klein and then the back row, I think, no one's really sure. Maybe you know, does standard start? Could you possibly put O'Mahony to seven? There's a there's a couple of question marks there still to be answered. Yeah, I think it really depends on what opposition you're playing against. Would I be playing Josh van der Fleer against Scotland? Absolutely. Would I be playing Josh van der Fleer against South Africa in a World Cup quarter final? I'm not so sure I would. I think I'd maybe play Pete at seven and go with another big lump at six uh, with Jack Conan at eight. So that's that's the way I would go with it. Um, you know, the back row for, for, for me against Scotland is Van der Fleer, O'Malley and Conan. Um, I don't think the standard done enough in a number of jersey to, to leapfrog Jack Conan and um, O'Malley, who we all know is such a leader, can 
can play six every single day of the week and not even think about it. He's a great line-out option. Um, so I think you'll go with that. Right, the second rule, again, we just need banker balls against Scotland. to win our set piece, get 85-90% of our line-out balls down to Johnny Sexton and give us a platform to springboard off. Then we will do really well. But you know, Scotland are going to come after that line-out like you wouldn't believe. I think they're going to throw three pods up in the air at times. They're going to be really smart and really cute. Um, and who's our best second row combination when it, wins the, when, it, when it comes to winning ball? Is it Klein? I, I don't think so. Everybody's saying, oh yeah, Klein's a big lump, he's a hard man to lift. For God's sake, like, he's a second row, he's jumped from the line-out since he was 14, 15 years of age. This guy's a good line-out operator, we just haven't seen enough of, enough of him, and he doesn't get into the air as often as we would like. So... Um, I, I would probably go with Ryan and Henderson. I think they're just two athletes. Um, but what does Klein bring off the bench? Uh, and again, when it comes to South Africa in the quarterfinal and New Zealand in the quarterfinal, you probably go with, with Ryan and Klein in the second row and bring a madman and Henderson off the bench for half an hour to go out and create absolute chaos. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just whatever team you're coming up against, we might see a few different combinations. Mm. Um, what about Scotland then? We'll talk about predictions in a minute, but just even seeing that they're they're plus nine um, on Ladbrokes for the handicap, and you know, like it's funny because like Townsend's a good coach. We've got like some really really good players there. It feels like we've been waiting for the Scotland breakthrough for about ten years at this stage. You know that they've been coming coming and the club <laughs> games getting better, but, but it never really seems to it never seems to come true. But you know there no. is still that worry that there is some good players there and they could catch it on the day. What 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 do you think we have most to fear from them uh, this Sunday? I think that you just don't know what you're going to get is right, and you know that it's hard. There are teams that's very hard to prepare for because they do mix it up so much. And if somebody like Finn Russell has a worldie of a day, you can be sure that you're probably going to walk into the team rooms after a pretty you know, hard defeat because he does make the Scotland team tick. Hogg, we all know how dangerous he is if you kick loosely to him. Hamish Watson, if he's on his barnstorming self, he runs around smashing boys and creating havoc. Um, you have big second rows in there that will, will cause disruption in the line-out. And if they can get their scrum going, they're, they really are a match for anybody. But it's, it's just not knowing what they're going to bring. Um, we all know Glasgow and Edinburgh to a certain extent like to play rugby, they like to throw it around and, um, you know, it can be dangerous at times, but you know, that nine points, that's, I think that's a huge, huge points difference in, in a game that's more or less if Scotland win it, they're, they're guaranteed a, um, a quarter-final if Ireland win it, I think it's going to be tight I think it's going to be very, very tight and I can't see more than a score uh, either way winning it, so yeah, Scotland it's just um, you just don't know what they're going to bring and they've got individual brilliance in some of the players. And maybe, to their detriment, they, they play as individuals sometimes, sometimes, which can be their downfall. And, you know, like Finn Russell would just go off on his own bat, and that's not only in, a, in attack, that can be in defence as well. Um, and, yeah, they, they can be vulnerable at times. And I feel if, if Ireland can play a very pragmatic um, game and have a, a really good game plan in place, that they, they will win this game. But at the same time, I feel that a nine point points difference in the spread is is, is massive considering what's what's at stake for this game. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing is the weather as well. If it's wet and windy, and you, as you were mentioned, putting balls in on top of alarm or whatever, that can just completely change 
up the situation yeah. as well. But I'm going to put you on the spot here as well now that we have you. Uh, we're obviously very excited going into the start, finally getting this World Cup off. Um, who are you, who's your selection for winner? Winner of the tournament? Yep, overall. Oh, jeez. I'm going to go for uh, South Africa New Zealand final. Well, and who's going to win that one? I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to let you ask me how New Zealand or South Africa get to the final because I know we're going to play one of them. So, so Ireland are out the quarterfinals one way or another. Uh, New Zealand 11 to 8, not surprisingly. <laughs> but, uh, I didn't say that. I didn't say <laughs> uh, South Africa are a four to one. Ireland have actually slipped to ten to one, which is interesting because when we started doing this a few weeks ago, Ireland were kind of knocking around the same as England and South Africa, kind of five six to one. And England, South yeah. Africa have jumped up. Ireland have slipped down. I think it's probably a realistic, um, a realistic position that we're there with Wales on ten to one. It's far from yeah. it's far from non contenders, but it's also a realistic top three there that we're looking at going into it. Yeah. Uh- that's the exact same as me. Ireland are world number one rankings point, but I think they're less than probably four or five. You know, South Africa, New Zealand, and England. Um, the way they've played over the last few weeks, I think they're they're the teams to beat. Um, England's run in this World Cup is going to be very difficult. They're going to have to play four or five, six games on the bounce um, the, of a real high quality. Where Ireland can kind of get away with a couple of games in the group stage. So yeah, I, I just feel that New Zealand, South Africa, they're going head to head obviously on Saturday. And then they can more or less take the foot off the gas slightly until until the quarterfinal stages, where um, they have the squad depth, they have the individual brilliance, they have the power, uh, physicality. Um, their set pieces seem to be pretty strong, both of them. Um, they've got players to come back in. You know, Brody Metallic, when's he going to be back as well for New Zealand? Obviously, a massive player. So, yeah, I just feel that um, Ireland, where the, where the bookies have them at the minute, is probably about right. Um, and you know that's I think everybody's thinking it was it was more or less a, we were all brought back down to earth after that 57 point uh, defeat to England that was kind of a leveller of, of where, we're, where we're going because we had a strong enough team out that day um, and yeah I just believe that Ireland just need to get momentum going in this World Cup if they're going to you know get that monkey off our backs and break that duck of getting to a World Cup semi-final one last and a lot more difficult prediction for you. Uh, who who's going to win top try scorer? We're looking at Severus here as six to one favorite, but it could be like picking names out of a hat. It could be, yeah. Um, I think somebody was saying this: uh, like like Russia are shipping a hell of a lot of points, like you know, a serious amount of points. And somebody like if Stockdale started a match against Russia, he score five tries. Like you know, he really could. So I, I think. I think Stockdale wouldn't be a bad shot. Um, ten to one, it's a good one. The, yeah, ten to one. He's he, he's not a bad shot. Um, Colby for South Africa, maybe. Obviously, um, who else? Maybe. Let me see. What's May? What's May sitting at? May and for Colby England? are both twelve to one. They're both twelve to one, so yeah. they're outside again. Like, yeah, England's run maybe slightly different. Do you know what? Stock deal, the amount of luck that man has had, he should have done the lottery a couple of years ago. <laughs> Probably would have won it. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's unbelievable, and it would not surprise me if he came out as a top try scorer, the best player in the World Cup, and for Ireland to win the World Cup and him to win the winning try, get the winning try. Why not? So I'll, go, I'll go Stock deal 10 to 1. Why not? 
Good stuff. Now he's cut that hair That's and got rid of that say. questionable goatee. He's, uh, he, yeah, he cut the hair like guaranteed now. He lost all his powers when he grew the hair out, but he's back to kind of the, the tri-scoring <laughs> machine now again since since he chopped it off. Well, look, Stephen, thanks very much for taking the time to chat to us. No uh, we look forward to it. It's finally sure. we're getting underway, says you. It'll be great to chat next week uh, after a game under our belts. For sure. Cheers, lads. Great to chat to Stephen there, Mick. I'm excited. Finally, do you know those warm-up games, like we're saying, it's a roller coaster and it's a needless roller coaster of emotion because they're all <laughs> games we're going to completely forget about by Saturday. I, do you know, I have this... I We were talking about the previous uh, warm-up matches all the way over the last few weeks and without, like... It's like fighting against your own brain because at one point I'm like, yeah, but I have, I've watched these matches. I have to take something out of them. And then the other part of me is going, I can't remember a bloody thing. I kind of remember Ireland playing France on like a Saturday night in somewhere in the south of France in a match and kind of like being at a party and sort of half watching it and Ireland were getting hammered, you know, and it making absolutely no difference to anything. Yeah. I think that might have been 2011 World Cup when we went to top the group and beat Australia. We just talked to Stephen about it, you know. It's just like... I think we lost every warm-up game that year. Total nonsense, like. Yeah, but look at we're here now uh, and finally this is kicking off on Friday morning. But then, uh, look, Japan and Russia, that's one of those that... Because it's the first game of the World Cup, you'll get excited for, mm. even though you wouldn't probably look if it was on in your backyard of a normal day. But, it, you know, it'll get us through. The excitement of the World Cup start will get us through that. It'll be and nice then, now to have a World Cup soon that doesn't have Russia in the first match. <laughs> <won't they? laughs> I was saying that earlier on. I was like, it's hard to get excited for the start of a World Cup when Russia's played in the first game. And around, but should the football World Cup was the same. Uh, but then it comes, was hard to get excited. Yeah, exactly. Come Saturday. Saturday, what a day. You've got Argentina against Fiji. You've got France against Argentina. And then you've got New Zealand against South Africa. And it's all over by lunchtime. The weekend's still ahead of you by the time that's finished. I did this on World and Union. It was like, this is what you have to do, right? You get up half five. You're not going to do it later in the tournament, but you can do it at the start of the tournament. It's all exciting. And Australia, Fiji is a really good game as well. You get up, you get a coffee. I know you won't do it, but you know you can do something else. I'll have a coffee, right? I'll watch that match, get the way through it. Then... Before in the in between before France and Argentina, I might have a bowl of cereal at that stage, you know, because you'll be going. And then as you're building up to, uh, you know, you get the fry on in between France and Argentina and New Zealand, South Africa. You may have another coffee, keep you going all over by lunchtime. You're well fed. You've had a lovely morning sitting in. You might even pull the curtains at some stage. Well, I wouldn't do any of that. I listened to that on the rugby show, and I was like, well, I'd be. I'd have fainted be 30 minutes into the Australia Fiji game if I had something in me. <laughs> Some bit of sustenance. You could also do what you did, Mick, which is book your NCT for the Saturday morning oh, and miss stop. it all. Stop, I didn't book the NCT. It was booked, but then I have to be the one to go and do it for it. Look, we won't get into it in case the wrong people are listening, but uh, <laughs> I'll figure something out. I'll figure uh, something you're out. going to be chatting to Stephen on Friday as well. Friday afternoon, we're going to have a, another special preview show. Yeah, Stephen's going to be in for a World Cup preview with us in studio. He's going to be a couple of times over the course of the World Cup we're going to have that on our YouTube channel and across balls of the social media channels so tune in for that there's going to be some pretty good stuff in that as well we're going to be doing that with Ladbrokes again just as a kind of a little add-on to our to our build-up podcast um, between now and the end of the World Cup we've got a few a few exciting guests as well that are going to be coming up on that show Labrooks are also um, dropping a one euro free bet in everybody's account if you sign in uh, this week you can use it on anything but why not use it on the Rugby World Cup and why not use it on Stephen Ferris' prediction of Jacob Stockdale to finish top try scorer let's be a bit patriotic here <laughs> uh, 10 to 1 is a great use of a euro free bet do you know what it's a euro free bet why not put it on a 10 to 1 shot come here the, I'm loving the, the World Cup being in Japan 
I'm loving waking up in the morning at six o'clock. It's, it's always bad news before the World Cup, but it's like you wake it up and you're like, oh, so-and-so's injured or, oh, there's been a press conference. What? And you're just, it, it's a little bit kind of confusing. like Especially when it's in Japan. It's like, so-and-so's, oh, so-and-so's gone home from the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I was thinking. It was bringing back a little bit of memory of, I was, so obviously pr- during the 2002 World Cup, I was doing my leaving cert. But obviously, pre-2002 World Cup, I was kind of like, you know, getting up for organized study sessions and whatever else everybody does the week before, two weeks before the leaving cert. Uh, going into school for uh, grinds that end up as mass football pitches, uh, football matches 40 on 40 out in the out in the yard was one of them. Anyway, I'm going off point here a little bit, Mark. But I do remember it was seemingly every morning my mom would come in to wake me up and it'd be like, Roy Keane's gone home and it'd be like out of nowhere. And I'd be like, what? What are you talking about? What? Roy Keane, why? <laughs> you know? And then it'd be next day. We're going, are you, my mother doesn't speak like that, by the way. She's not a six-year-old woman from the country. But she, she not, she'd lock in and she'd be like, Roy Keane's gone back. Wait, what? And this was just every morning. There was just, you would wake up bleary-eyed to, to yeah. a dark room to hear that Roy Keane had done something else. Um, it's funny that all these years later you're still here <laughs> you're still waking up the news about stuff Roy Keane has done but exactly. uh, nothing is dramatic in Japan at the moment but it does bring back some kind of nostalgia to sort of wake up to hear all the all the overnight rumours one of the other things about that World Cup as well that I distinctly remember is like a short you know when like say before a game say it was before the England game I think on ITV or whatever and they've got some packages that they've been filming throughout the week when they're just you know, cutting away from studio and one of them was like a, a short thing on uh, a short outside thing on um, all the Japanese fans who are getting the David Beckham mohawk that like was going into barbershop stuff and I'm just so grateful that Jacob Stockdale has cut that hair because that's the last thing we want to leave on uh, the poor Japanese <laughs> they've enough problems <laughs> I don't know what to say anyway, after let's that. Talk, let's talk football with Kevin Doyle <laughs> 